Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, September 18, 2014, and we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 160, the middle paragraph that begins, Many a Man. Today's readers are Nancy S. on the 12 Steps, Santa H. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Larry, Sally, and Anita J. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, September 17th, is 6886. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group who has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Nancy S. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Kathy Kane. Good morning, everybody. This is Nancy S. in Wisconsin. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can, Nancy. Okay, thank you. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy S. And I will now ask 
Lisa H. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. Good morning, visionaries. Yes, my name is Santa H. from New Jersey, grateful compulsive overeater. And these are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less money of problem, I'm sorry, less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service center may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principle before personality. Pass. Thank you, Santa H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read, We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everybody's phone, uh, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study on page 160 of the 
big book, the middle paragraph beginning, Many a Man. And I will ask Larry to read that first paragraph. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Kathy J., for your service. Larry, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Many a man, yet dazed from his hospital experience, has stepped over the threshold of that home into freedom. Many an alcoholic who entered there came away with an answer. He succumbed to that gay crowd inside who laughed at their own misfortunes and understood his. Impressed by those who visited him at the hospital, he capitulated entirely when later in an upper room of this house, he heard the story of some man whose experience closely tallied with his own. The expression on the faces of the women, that indefinable something in the eyes of the men, the stimulating and electric atmosphere of the place conspired to let him know <clears throat> that here was haven at last. Yeah, this is, uh, I'm glad we, we started reading this yesterday um, and continue today. You know, it takes me back, um, you know, I, I wasn't hospitalized, um, but the day before, not unlike, you know, many days before that I came into the rooms, that I was inspired to come come to the rooms, um, I I had, you know, eaten just a, an unbelievable quantity, quantity of food, you know, binge my brains out in isolation. I was, then I had the three Bs, you know, I was, I was battered, I was bitter, and I was broken. You know, I essentially came crawling into this room. I, I had no idea what, what to expect, but, you know, I was, um, I was amazed, you know, I was still dazed. I was still, you know, in a food fog. I was, um. I was sad. I was depressed. I, I was hopeless. And, um, you know, I, I crossed the threshold. I remember, um, I'll share this with you. I, I had a big, the big book in my hand. I didn't know what I was holding, but I, I, I just, uh, I didn't want to go in. And I remember looking over in, in my big book was open to page 286, which, and, and I just read the first line and it said, and I have it underlined and dated. And it said, had I not gone in, I believe I would not be alive today. It's very, at the very top of 286, I have it underlined. That got me to go in. And, and when I came in, I, I saw I, I, it's not what I expected. I thought I would, you know, there was laughter. There was, uh, you know, there was camaraderie. There was uh, people smiling. What in the heck are these people smiling about? You know, I was battered. And, um, you know, it's amazing to me, um, you know, they, it's as many an alcoholic who entered there came away with an answer, you know, and I remember, you know, being somewhat, you know, they, they, they were reading, they, they put the steps forth as suggestions rather than as directives, you know, here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. You know that that I was I was really appreciative of that because I had heard, you know, all these direct Larry just put just just take have half. What's the matter with you? Push yourself away from the table. You know, um, all these 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 frothy emotional appeals. None of and here was these smiling, some laughing people that uh, that were that were just making some suggestions. You know, it was really amazing. And and these people began to speak about an answer. Um, and they were laughing at their own misfortune, and, and I and I sensed that they did indeed understand mine, you know. And 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 when the steps were outlined in their simplicity, I began to clearly see that 
that the aim was not normalcy. You know, I didn't walk in. It wasn't normalcy, but complete spiritual regeneration, you know, at a, at a life lived uh, uh, each day in conscious contact with my creator. I didn't learn that day one and because I came there uh, to, to lose weight and to just, you know, just I was in a prison, a self-imposed prison. And this was a way out. And it was an electric atmosphere. You know, and it was haven at last, and I, I'm so thankful that I'm that I'm part of this 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 program that was just merely offered as suggestions. You know, my life, I I did capitulate, I gave in, and it says, you know, I'll, I'll wrap up by saying, you know, many of us exclaimed, "What an order! I can't go through with it." That's how I felt. Don't be discouraged, Larry. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. When I heard them say, we are not saints, okay, I'm in the right place. No sainthood required, you know, no education, advanced learning required. Thank God it saved my life. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Kim. Okay, Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Kathy Kay. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and I love this paragraph. I, I feel the electricity in the paragraph. I'm going to jump in on um, many an alcoholic who entered there came away with an answer. He succumbed to the gay crowd inside, who laughed at their own misfortunes and understood his. And I love that word succumb. You know, I looked it up in the dictionary. It says to give way to superior force, to yield. You know, we heard that word before. We heard that, war, that word in the doctor's opinion where it tells us here, after they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. And here in this chapter, they're succumbing to, to recovery. So I think we need to ask ourselves, are we going to succumb to the disease? Are we going to succumb to the answer, the, 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 the 12 steps? This book brings us over and over to two alternatives. I'm going to succumb to the disease or I'm going to succumb to this gay crowd inside, these people that have a real answer. And what is that answer? You know, Larry was talking about it. The answer is the 12 steps. You know, I heard recently, I used to hear a long time ago, that the only thing you need to start a meeting is a resentment and a coffee pot. I mean, that's insanity. Where is there an answer and a resentment and a coffee pot? You know, the fact of the matter is that just talking about my disease, just commiserating in the horrors of being a compulsive overeater was a solution to my problem. I would have recovered well before AA, OA. I would have recovered in an all-you-can-eat buffet with my binge buddies as he lamented about the horrors of being heavy and the horrors of not being able to stop eating. What I need is a real answer. I need an answer that is beyond human need, an answer that is more than me marshalling my willpower, which has failed me utterly over and over again. So if you are suffering today, or you are white-knuckling it in the beginning of your recovery, ask yourself, what do you want to succumb to? Are you going to succumb to the desire again, which is the obsession of the mind? Or are you going to succumb to the gay crowd inside, succumb to what this meeting is teaching you? This is the power of a meeting that is focused on the solution. 
So I challenge you today, ask yourself, how free do you want to be today? And so I'm going to read that one more time. Many an alcoholic who entered there came away with an answer. He succumbed to that gay crowd inside who laughed at their own misfortunes and understood his. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Katie F. Okay, I heard Katie F. and I heard someone else. Who was that? Janice. Leia. And Leia. Okay, we'll go in that order. Katie, Janice, and then Leia. Go ahead, Katie. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And this whole paragraph um, is saying that there's life beyond the food that there is life, that there is something out there that is different than the vicious cycle that I lived in for decades uh, where I would lose weight, uh, white-knuckling it, and then um, go back and try to eat like a normal person. And, you know, that is the opposite of what this program is all about. Um, We succumb to that gay crowd inside who laughed at their own misfortunes. And, you know, today when I am in a, in a situation where, you know, resentment is creeping in or, you know, that, that boss or that daughter or that uh, traffic is on my last nerve, you know, I talk to people and they remind me, you know, that I had to talk to them about it last week. And, you know, oh, yeah, you, you always hate that or you're always like this. And, You know, and next thing I know, I'm laughing about it. I'm laughing at the insanity of me thinking that I can change other people, you know, and I am able to to move forward in my life, and I never was able to do that before. I, you know, I just got stuck. I was just constantly stuck in the mire and the um, quicksand, not just from the food, but, you know, certainly that was um, along with it, but just I didn't know how to deal with life. And now, you know, I, I have this fellowship. I mean, I just can't, it's like magnet for me to get on this line every morning. You know, I didn't plan on doing this. You know, 27 years ago when I um, got absent, I didn't say, you know what, I bet I'm I'm just going to, just want to do this every single minute of my life. I mean, that wasn't my goal, but it's irresistible. It's irresistible to not want to share and give hope and give um, joy to other people and to, to say, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. There is a way to move on and be past, um, you know, my sick thinking and my, uh, crazy way of thinking that I had to live life. And I'm just so grateful that, um, you know, we have this book and we have a way to share, uh, to give people a way out of their, um, you know, what they, they view as a miserable existence. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, KDF. Janice, please go ahead. Well, thank you, K- Kathy. This is Janice M., and I am a grateful, compulsive, recovered compulsive overeater. When it says many a man, so that means many, not a, not just a few, many, you know, which is um, hopeful. Um, and again, 
when when I finally when we finally give in, when we throw the towel in, when we say I'm licked, you know, all my methods, all my escapes, you know, from life um, wasn't working anymore, and I threw the towel in. That's when the answer came to me after doing the steps. The answer, the answer. It's not an opinion. <laughs> it was an answer. It wasn't somebody's opinion. It was the answer in these 164 pages. And um, you know what's uh, that gay? I know we keep going over that sentence, but gay crowd, you know, it reminds me, paraphrasing, when Bill had to make had to that make decision. That um, make that decision to choose the telephone or that gay crowd in the bar. Remember? Difference now. This is not that gay crowd that, that woke up the next morning with terror and bewilderment and frustration and despair um, when we were in disease. Now it's a gay crowd of, of for me, in the vision for you here, it's the voices of recovery. That's what makes it so electrifying. Because, you see, for me, the spirit of a higher power, God, whom I choose to call God, is here in the atmosphere. <laughs> and that's what's electrifying about it. I just got the chills. Because it is. See, that's the difference between um, a room full of recovered people and those that are recovering, that are, you know, going to be implementing these steps, and the gay crowd that's in my disease, that was in my disease when I, you know, drank and ate and did behaviors that wasn't um, appropriate. So with that, you know, I have found, yes, God has brought me home to this haven of this group, believe you me, because I was in other groups. So this is the haven that, that God's vision for me is for today. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. And Leo, please go ahead. Thanks so much. Yes, we are in Chapter 11, A Vision for You. And this is what is possible as a result of the application of these steps. I mean, they are uh, giving us a you know, brief overview of the development of this uh, you know, small group of folks who were recovered. And what was the attraction here? You know, what was happening? What was the attraction? Why were people drawn to this uh, place? And that was because the attraction was recovery. People had recovered. It, it says here, the expression on the faces of the women, that indefinable something in the eyes of the men, the stimulating and electric atmosphere of the place, conspired to let them know that there was haven at last. Haven meaning a place of safety and refuge, a shelter. Because there is a way out, you know. <laughs> um, I had the privilege and the honor of watching a community develop in Minneapolis. And, you know, just like I did in 1987, you know, crawl into a place with tombstones in my eyes, you know, when I happened to be the uh, contact person, you know, and when newcomers would call me, I'd say, you know, they'd ask where the room number was in this uh, local church, and I would say, you know what, uh, park your car in the back parking lot and follow the laughter. Follow the laughter. And you know what the laughter was? The electricity was freedom. It was the laughter of freedom because the program of recovery allowed a freedom that embraced everybody's broken places and transformed them. 
And that same uh, experience was possible for anyone who capitulated, who surrendered themselves, who gave up resistance and submitted themselves to this simple process. The same process I went through. I mean, something came between me and compulsive overeating more than 27 years ago and has been there ever since. And what that is is a recovery process and a relationship with a higher power. You know, and that restored me to sanity and restored these men and women to sanity and gave them soundness of mind and relieved them of that merciless obsession and allowed me and allowed these folks that we're studying about to walk this planet Earth free men and free women. And the book that we study every morning that we're dedicated to uh, learning and teaching is, to, is designed to bring about that same experience for everyone here on the line. We can have that same experience. So this is not about ordinary religion, and this is not just faith. Faith isn't enough. What we're talking about is a transforming experience, a conversion experience, a personality change that is sufficient to bring about recovery, and it works. And it works. And the big book says that that dark past of ours is our greatest possession we have, and it's the key to life and happiness for others. And that electricity that becomes uh, tangible in a room is because we have the electricity of being freed. We have a solution that works when we submit ourselves to this process, and it's available to whoever, whoever wants it and, and, and does the work, and does the work. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Okay, I'd Renata. Like to... Oh, Suji. go ahead. Uh, I heard Renata, and who else? Suji. Suji. Okay, go ahead, Renata. Uh, thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata, Recovered Compulsive Read in New York. Um, uh, many an alcoholic who entered there came away with an answer. Um, sorry, I wanted to read something here. I lost the page. Um, that made me think of <clears throat> page 18. But the ex-problem drinker who has found the solution, who is properly armed with facts about himself, can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. Until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. So the people that were going, you know, to to this um, house, they have tried everything else and nothing worked. And then they get there and they see all these men recovered, you know, beaming with happiness and they're sober. And they have been through what this alcoholic, new alcoholic men have been through. So they're able to uh, reach those men like n- nobody else could ever reach them before. And so they walk away with an answer, you know. And uh, that made me think also of the kind of meetings that were held in the past, you know, the meetings that were completely based on the big book. Uh, that's what they had to offer, recovery, the answer. They're meetings in a way today, you know, that I go to, and all I hear is people complaining about their lives. There's no solution. It's just people struggling and white-knuckling with the food and trying to, you know, work work the tools. And uh, 
what hope that would will give a newcomer, you know? And so I have to keep that in mind and always try to bring the answer to the meetings I go to. And the answer is the 12 steps. Until I worked the steps, I didn't have the answer. I didn't know, you know, I was white-knuckling too. I was in misery. I was quote-unquote abstinent, but I was miserable. And like Kim says, you know, how free you want to be. I don't have to live like that. There's an answer out there. And the answer is the 12 steps. Thanks for letting me share it, Beth. Thank you, Renata. And Sue G. Good morning, fellow visionaries. It's Sue G. from Pennsylvania, recovered, happily so. So we have many a man and, and a woman stepping over the threshold of the household to freedom in a haven at last, a kind of a protective and safe structure, which is what our meeting is. And what do we do in this meeting that's so fantastic? Well, I, I'm a, a long-term uh, student, I have to confess. I, I love to study. And that's what we're doing together. We're studying the big book which is our spiritual book. So I'm just thinking a word of encouragement to those who are listening. You listen to learn. You share to heal. Join our gay crowd. We are given instructions at the beginning of this meeting, and those instructions are wonderful. And and included in it is anyone can share on what is read. That if you focus on what's read, this could be your first meeting, and you might have a comment about it. And I would say as a recovered person, my experience is who do I learn from? Everybody. That that whatever someone has to say about the reading is a useful contribution, however it works, however full of insight or lack of it it is. It doesn't matter. It all helps us. To, to learn something new. And and it brings me back to that stuff in we agnostics. And I, I always think of my freedom of recovery is to remember what I already knew, that that's what I forget in my eating disorder and my disordered behavior and my my disordered attitude. I forget what I knew. That, and that is that deep down within every man, woman, and child has a notion of God or a notion of a higher power, or a notion of good orderly direction, or whatever words you want to put to it, that, that we all have something to say. So if you focus on the reading, even if you're new, or if you're somewhere in those steps and experiencing some irritability and discontent, well, you still have something within you to say if, if you focus on, on what is read. So a word of encouragement to to all. It's not just those babbling brooks like myself that have something to say. Everybody in in this room has something to say. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Suji. And this is Kathy Kay. I'd like to take a turn. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, this paragraph brings me back uh, to my very early meetings in Framingham, Massachusetts, where, indeed, the atmosphere was stimulating and electric. And uh, literally, I was so drawn to it um, 
that I kept coming back even though juxtapositioning to that was my agnosticism and my doubt that uh, I could benefit from a spiritual program, um, that the mention of God and higher power uh, just created such intolerance in me. But I could not ignore the other side, and uh, I am so grateful for all those who continue to share their experience, strength, and hope, um, to speak with passion about their recovery, to make sure that we link our recovery to our past. Um, Remember, one of the promises is that no matter how far down we go, we can benefit others, and our past becomes a resource um, to share with others. Um, All of that is so important so that the newcomer um, can not only connect to the enthusiasm, but also see that those of us who are in recovery have traveled the distance to get here. Um, So uh, with that, I'll pass. Anyone else? Yes, hi, this is Anita L. from Philadelphia. Go ahead, Anita. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I just wanted to share on this paragraph, actually, again, I was the one who read it yesterday, and, oh, my gosh, it just just made my heart soar. It's such a beautiful, beautiful way of expressing the freedom that we are given, and um, where it says, um, here was haven at last, when I was reading it, I wrote, Thank you, God, at the end, because that is, you know, that is the gift that we are given. However, today, what I wanted to um, share on was the expression on the faces of the women, that indefinable something in the eyes of the men. So, you know, that is where we are able to see, actually physically see when someone is living in a recovered state of mind or in the recovery process because the food no longer governs me and I am no longer putting the sugar and and all the other uh, binge foods into my system and therefore that haze has been lifted from my eyes. And people always say to me, oh, I can see in your eyes you look really, really happy. I'm, ha- I'm glad for you, you know, or whatever, whatever they say regarding the fact that um, I'm living in the recovery, the solution of this program. And it, it is out there for all of us grab onto. All we have to do, which is so simple, is follow these steps that are written right in this text, right in these first 164 pages, which is a miracle. And I never knew it specifically this way. And the freedom that I'm feeling this time around is so much greater 
than I've ever experienced before. And, you know, I can't predict. However, I believe in my heart that I am a recovered compulsive overeater and food addict, and I will hopefully always be a recovered compulsive overeater and food addict. I will always have the disease. However, it's my choice whether I want to live recovered or not. And I believe because the transformation that I have this time around is mm, so committed that I, I want, I want to stay in the answer instead of the problem. So with that, I pass. And thank you, everybody, for your Thank you, Anita L. I'm going to ask Sally. Thank you. um, Tessa, we're going to move on, and you can share afterwards, okay? Okay. Thank you. Uh, Thanks. Uh, Sally, could you read the next paragraph? Yes. Yes, thank you, Kathy. This is Sally, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in South Jersey. The very practical approach to his problem the absence of intolerance of any kind, the informality, the genuine democracy, the uncanny understanding which these people had were irresistible. He and his wife would leave elated by the thought of what they could now do for some stricken acquaintance and his family. They knew They had a host of new friends. It seemed they had known these strangers always. They had seen miracles, and one was to come to them. They had visioned the great reality, their loving and all-powerful creator. And so as we have... We've seen and we've heard in this last paragraph, they've talked, we've talked at length about this haven, this sanctuary that they have come to find these different men and women, or these men especially, these men who have left days from the hospital experience. Now they've come to this haven, and this is what they have found here, a very practical approach to their problems. That's what these 12 steps are, a practical approach to the problem. They go on to say the absence of intolerance. They've been living in the street, judging themselves and being judged by others, walking around day in and day out, ashamed of what they've become. And now they have come to a place that, is, that has the very practical approach to its problems, the absence of intolerance of any kind. So they're, they're in a place where there's no more this, this judgment and shame. They've come to a place where the informality, so they're not trying to be good enough here. They really can just relax. They can be themselves and they can listen grow. The informality, the genuine democracy, fairness of this place. A fairness is in the air. The uncanny, unusual, unexpected understanding which these people had was irresistible. These people understand them. They're surrounded by people that have been exactly where they have been. That's got to be an an incredibly freeing place to be, to be surrounded by people that are well. 
and yet have been exactly as sick as they have been. Of course this is electrifying. They've come into a room, a home, a house filled with people that have been experiencing what they've experienced, only they've become recovered. And then they're being given promises. They're being told, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Wow! That would give anybody hope. They're being, they're, they're being given promises. Page 83 and 84 talks about some of those promises that they've been given. They're going to be placed in a place of neutrality? Wow! I mean, when I think about how this must have seemed to them, gee, it sounds exactly like it seemed to me after 29 years in OA, where I was focused on, on tools, but I had no concept that the instruction manual was in a little pouch of books that I carried every day as I went to meetings three times a week. When I first came to a, a telephone meeting and I first heard the word recovered, I remember I cried. I was in such shock. Did it exist? You mean I wasn't going to do what I've been doing for 29 years anymore? Because I was really a pro, a pro at, at, at controlling the food to the extent of just being able to put the food down. I was like that person who stands at the end of an Olympic-sized pool. And I've done it many times. Have you ever stood in an Olympic-sized pool and you, you decided, I'm going to make it in one breath to the other end of this Olympic-sized pool. And I would get down into the water and hold my breath and go as fast as I could to get away from the food, swimming my heart out to get as far away from the food, to get to the other end of the Olympic-sized pool, only to come up for air and desperately be looking, 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 where's food, where's food? Because I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't comfortable being away from the food. That was me holding my breath. And that's what these guys are talking about here. They're telling him, you're going to have this new freedom. And they're telling him he's going to have a new way of living. And he's telling them a promise. They're telling him, really, have we seen a man fail who has followed our steps? Of course it's electric. He and his wife would, have, would leave elated by the thought of what they could now do for some stricken acquaintance already, not only are they putting on this, this, the understanding of this life preserver, that self-preservation, that you're going to get to live. But now they have an altruistic hope as they leave this place. They're going to think about the other guys who were laying in the gutter. And they're going to think about the other friends that are in the food. And they're walking away with a, a plan of action. They, they've come away with an understanding of the problem. They're coming away with a program of action, a program of recovery, and they're coming away with a promise of what they could now do for some stricken acquaintance in his family. They knew they had a host of new friends. They weren't alone anymore. They weren't alone away from the pack of friends. They had a new host of friends that they were going to be living their new life with. It seemed they had known these strangers Always, yes, because they had all come to the same to the same place. They had seen miracles, and one was to come to them. They were a miracle now. They had visioned the great reality. They had seen it right there in that house, and their loving and all-powerful creator. They, they are learning the 12th step is leading them to a new relationship with their all-powerful creator. Thanks for letting me share with that I pass. Thank you, Sally. Riketa, would you like to share? 
Yeah, thank you, Kathy. This is Rakefet, Republic Composable for Eater from California. I've been thinking about these paragraphs and about the electricity that's created when these men come together, the men and their wives, and it's it's just amazing. It's just amazing because if you take each one of these men individually and if they stay home by themselves, there is no electricity. If they stay home reading a book about alcoholism, there is no electricity. Each one is separate, staying home. But when people come together, somehow the, the, the energy grows. Everybody, the people that come are bringing positive energy. And that's how you get electricity. And the more, more energy you get, the more people come, the more electricity you're going to get. And if people want to recover, they need that. They really need that. They need to come together and experience that. Because that positive energy, that electricity will carry them. It's hard. It's really hard to, to go through the steps. It's hard to get abstinent. It's really, really hard. But if you have this positive energy carrying you forward, you really, really have a chance. It's so much better. And that's what I got from a vision for you. I, I, when I started listening, I heard, I felt electricity here because so many passionate people were speaking, speaking honestly and deeply from their heart about what they have gone through and what they feel and how the, the, the reading relates to them really deeply. And so I just want to say that everybody, everybody that's on this line is important. Everybody is adding positive energy. Everybody. And those that don't share, I urge you to share because the more people that share, the more we hear, the more voices, the more energy we're going to get. You know, I know that I think that the same people share every single day. I'm included. I'm included. But we want to hear new voices. I want to hear new voices. I want to hear more energy even. Everyone that shares adds more energy. More energy to this group and electricity increases. So thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Rakefis. Who else would like to share? Hi, this is Linda. Linda? Mona. And this is after Monica Paula. <laughs> okay, I heard Linda, Monica, and Paula. Is there anybody else? Sarah W. Sarah W. Thank you. Let's go with that. Go ahead, Linda. Thank you. Hi, Linda R. from North Carolina, recovered, and so grateful to all of you on the line today. Um, as I'm listening this morning, you know, and I was thinking about this, when I first came into program, I remember reading, you know, about higher power and you know, really cultivating my spiritual enlargement at the beginning and, and now even a much greater relationship with my higher power. I remember them talking about, like, if you don't believe in a higher power, just think about electricity. Like, when you turn the light on, the light goes on. How did that happen? It had nothing to do with me. I just flipped the switch and then the light went on. And I just want to say, you know, what we're sharing today about higher power and about the electricity of the group of the fellowship, you know, sponsoring, you know, I sponsor a lot of people on the, um, via the, the um, you know, texting, and I don't even know who these people are, you know, they live in different states of the country, we have, you know, communication, and I'm really, what I'm really trying to say is that it's a miracle, and it's the higher power that in the 21st century, we can sponsor, we can have connections with people that we don't even know. And this, to me, is God in my life, bringing these people into my life through 
vision through being recovered. So I just wanted to say that this has nothing to do with me. I'm just the vessel that where I can be a channel of my higher power and serve others and, you know, be of maximum service to everyone. And uh, I'm pitching on the gratitude of technology today that I never have to be isolated. I don't have to be alone. I could reach out. I could share. And there's no reason for me to be in the disease of isolation anymore. And thank you to the first 100 people. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, Linda. And Monica, please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And here we are in the chapter a vision for you. Wow. And they're giving us a picture here of this vision for us. And so I had another little vision here when I first read the beginning of this paragraph, the very practical approach to his problems. And what I was visioning was, you know, when I first came into OA, I was down at the bottom of a big, black, nasty pit. And all my years of clawing, I'd get up a little ways and I'd slip back down and I'd go up a little ways and I'd slip back down. And it just kept getting deeper and deeper. And so I came into the rooms of OA with desperation. And I was scared. I was scared. Nothing else was working. And the very practical approach is that, you know, the 12 steps. So they put a ladder down to me. And, you know, it's very practical. You start with the first rung. You start with step one, Monica. You don't go from step one to step 12. You start with step one. And slowly, I worked my way up that ladder. And at the top of that ladder were people, were hands outstretched to me, was my big book guide that guided me through these steps. And what kept me going was, you know, I had seen miracles. I had heard miracles. You could hear it in their voices. You could see it in a twinkle of their eyes. You could see their normal-sized bodies. You could hear the laughter. That kept me working up that ladder, doing those steps in order, starting with number one and all the way up to number 12. And it is possible for every single one of you. This is our vision for you. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Monica. Um, A a gentle reminder that we watch our time, so we stay to the three minutes. Thank you, everyone. Paula, please go ahead. And thank you. Always loving those reminders, how beautiful they are to keep us. It it says in the big book, we are in discipline. This would be Paula in uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeat. And I'd like you to just, just for a couple of minutes here, climb into these two sentences with me. They knew they had a host of new friends. You notice that they wrote new? They knew they had a host of friends. That doesn't happen often. You, you might think you might. What is it that draws us together? That's what keeps us together. It seems they had known these strangers always. Why? Because they shared something so deep. What they were trying to run away from, this disease is what brought these together. And what is it said they had known these strangers always? When you meet someone that has lost a child and you've lost a child, you look at each other. You don't see. It's far deeper than seeing. And you know. And that's what it is here. They knew. They knew. Like they knew these strangers always because, see, they knew this disease and where it had taken. They had seen miracles. And one was to come to them. Even that in itself. 
They had vision the great reality, as stated right above, a vision for you. Not saw the great reality. They had vision the great reality. Far more adept of sight here. Their loving and all-powerful creator. Notice the continuation, the great reality. The great reality was their powerful creator. And with that, I want to say first a thank you to all the voices that are heard. And no, you can pick up the phone. Newcomers put in it. It isn't just on this line. That's the beauty of it. You call others. So what might be, have been a stranger, you become a friend, as Bill says so often in the big book. I thank you and have a mindful of the time and grateful for the time that was given. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And Sarah W. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, you know, I was thinking about the idea of the practical approach to his problems. You know, I didn't have any approach to my problems. I was just overwhelmed by them and felt, um, you know, so isolated and alone. And, and, you know, that's what brings us together, you know. I remember the first time I walked into a meeting, uh, an early meeting I was directed by a therapist I had in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and I remember you know, hearing people talking about such deep and and vulnerable things and really being able to be accepted by each other. And, um, you know, in time I was able to share in, in honesty about my own issues. And, you know, I had to come too slowly. You know, I wasn't, um, you know, the first week I walked into recovery wasn't the week I, I came into the steps. Uh, but the idea that, that I could be accepted and that I could be heard and that uh, there was such tolerance in the rooms of wherever I was. And I think that is so important um, for us to remember. You know, love and tolerance is our code. And, um, you know, the, the, the idea that I could get well, that I could get better, um, and it's been a long process. You know, I, I've taken a lot of turnarounds. Uh, I wish I had gone the straight line. It would have been a lot easier for me and other people. Uh, and it does say in the big book, you know, we are, we are basically our own problem. You know, that, that, you know we are our greatest um, uh, obstacle to our own recovery. And what I realized today is that it is through uh, not just coming in and sitting at a meeting and listening. It is through participation. Um, you know, they say participation is the key to harmony. Uh, that's one of the concepts, and I, I believe that's true. And the idea that, you know, um, my participation has to be where I'm working the steps and I'm part of the solution. And being part of the solution is um, working all the steps and working with others. And um, today I do have a host of friends. And I have a, a family and I have a life. And um, that doesn't mean that every day is perfect. But I do have a design for living today that um, really allows me to be happy and joyous and free. Probably 99% of the time, even through calamity. And how could that have happened? You know, how did that happen? And, you know, the, the thing is, I think we have a miraculous thing here. And it, it really does take action on our part to, to obtain this. Um, it doesn't just happen. You know, God doesn't strike us abstinent. We have to be willing to do certain things. And that's the question. 
How far are we willing to go to get better? Or do we want to stay where we're at? I'm grateful today for all of you. And anybody that's new on the line, I welcome you and, and ask you to keep coming back. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. <clears throat> it is now time for us to close the meeting. Thank you, everyone who has shared and been here today. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Anita J., would you please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. I don't hear you, Anita. Can you press star one? Thank you. Um, Anita J. from Massachusetts. Recovered. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose to you and to me. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.